Please be advised that this episode contains content warnings for violence and mild body horror. Happy holidays and welcome back to Certain Point of Yule. Now is the season of our Christmas content, which means that we plan on watching those new Christmas movies so you don't have to. I'm Frankie. And I'm John. And we're kicking off this new holiday season with a special double feature of a classic and a remake. We're joined by the one and only Kevin McAllister, the guitarist for The Home Alones, a band devoted to his adventures as a young boy. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Can you tell us more about your band, The Home Alones? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, So my band, The Home Alones, is currently the number one active Home Alone-themed Chicago-based band uh, currently running. Uh, As far as songs about Home Alone go, we are the longest-running and most active Home Alone-based band, uh, and we largely play songs about uh, my adventures as a young boy. So if you're a fan of the film Home Alone, a fan of the film Home Alone 2, being the only two Home Alone films, you'll thoroughly enjoy our band. (laughs) Right, there wasn't a third one. Or a fourth one, or a recent one that came out this year either. Right. I certainly haven't seen Home Alone 3. (laughs) That's true, you haven't. I can actually vouch for that. (laughs) I actually remember seeing the Home Alones. I don't know if you were with me at this show. Um, I've seen you guys play with Harry and the Potters at the Yule Ball at the Bell House a couple of years ago. Oh, man, those guys were so great. Uh, yeah, when was I that? I was. We um, twice. I don't remember what year it was, oh, but I you guys I... always stuck out in my head. So when we were doing this, I was like, those are the guys <laughs> that I need. <laughs> well, first, thanks for uh, like coming early and, and seeing us play, because that, uh, that was a super fun tour. Those guys were great, Harry and the Potters. Um, they're, they're, they're our level of committed. Like mm-hmm. there, I feel like we, we've played with a lot of folks who, uh, you know, go halfway, and there are no half measures with Harry and the Potters. So, I'm happy to do just a second podcast with you all, just talking about how great those guys are. <laughs> Yay! Oh, that was a really good show. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, was that the one with the Swedish short snouts? That might have been with the purple trombone. That's a possibility. I've seen so many Yule Balls that I they all kind of run together in my I head. I just love the Swedish short snaps. They were so <laughs> they were both so pretty. They were. They were very pretty people. Um So besides Home Alone, which is very autobiographical for you. Sure. Do you have a favorite Christmas movie? Or holiday movie in general. It doesn't have to be Christmas. Probably Angels with Filthy Souls. I have never heard of that one. Please tell me more. It's a it's an old gangster movie. Um, I used to I I got really sentimental about it because when my parents left me home alone the first time, I would eat a bunch of junk food and I was just trying to watch a bunch of rubbish during that time. So that was uh, just something that kind of stuck with me. So it's more about nostalgia than anything else. Uh, you know what? Cause... Now that you talk about it, I'm starting to remember something. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think we, I think we saw a bit of that movie just recently. Uh, at least one scene, a few times. I think it was a trailer or something. I'm so angry. <laughs> they remade that one as well, 
recently. <laughs> they did. Yeah. In <laughs> space, was I believe. Space adventure, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was a, they went in a weird direction with the remake of the movie. I'm not sure why they had to put it in space, um, but there was, uh, you know, greater representation uh, of people of color, so that was great. Well, I think because it was a, a it was probably a prime film, and with Bezos, everything's space these days. That's true. Oh, <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing that. Let's get into the reason for the season, the reason why we're here. Uh, we are talking about the autobiographical adventure of Kevin McAllister, Home Alone, and the story of Max Mercer in Home Sweet Home Alone. Now, Home Alone was released November 16th of 1990. It's currently streaming on Disney+. Plus. It stars Macaulay Culkin and Joe Pesci. Kevin Q, give us a rundown of what people can expect when they watch that autobiography. Yeah, absolutely. So it is a film about one Christmas many years ago where my careless and thoughtless family left me home alone and I was forced to booby trap the house against a pair of would-be thieves, all while trying to avoid an off-brand Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> That's a really good assessment. <laughs> and now on the other side, we have Home Sweet Home Alone, which was released November 12th of 2021, 31 years later. How terrifying is it to say that out loud? Uh, yeah, well, because I was born in 1990 <laughs> and we are now living in the year uh, of our Lord Kevin McAllister, 2021. Um, yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's my entire life. It's literally my entire life between these two movies. It is. Um, which is also streaming on Disney+. Plus. This one stars Archie Yates, Rob Delaney, and Ellie Kemper. John, can you give us a breakdown of this one? I absolutely can. So the long-lost love child of Harry Potter and Dudley Dursley steals a can of orange soda and then spends the rest of the movie trying to murder two very nice people <laughs> who he thinks want to sell him into slavery for $200,000. Uh, his mom was very nice. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about Home Alone. What are the good things that we like about Home Alone, aside from it being the story of your life? Can you be objective about it? If if I'm being honest, it's going to be hard for me to be, sure. Um, <laughs> so it might be good for me to talk about the good things that aren't involved with like me. So I can say the good things are uh, that I think my family learned one half of a valuable lesson. <laughs> and what lesson was that not to lie to paris without me <laughs> is that the half that they learned or is that the whole lesson and they only learned part of it that's the half the okay the other half that they learned the following year was not to fly to florida without me. <laughs> okay very important lesson really the whole overarching lesson seems to be don't leave home without Kevin. It's true. Right. Kevin's it's dangerous to go alone. Take this. Mm -hmm. Right. One of the things that I really like about <laughs> Home Alone is when we first start the movie, everything is very chaotic and loud and there's just constant noise. Right. And then the moment there's no one home but Kevin, they make the decision to not underscore this moment that he's discovering that he's alone. It's absolutely silent. And it's the first time there's silence since the movie starts 
And it was just this very good decision to relay to us how unsettling it is for suddenly this house that's usually full of life, full of people, full of movement to be empty. Are we entirely sure that's not due to union mandated breaks and John Williams having to take a take a beat? <laughs> it could be. Was it really John Williams who did this? I believe that it was. No, that makes sense. Given what I know of John Williams, which is just Star Wars, really. <laughs> um, and Jurassic Park? Right. That's why I often confuse this film with Jurassic Park. Right. It does have very similar vibes. Musically, it's basically the yeah. same. Yeah. I mean, what is Joe Pesci if not a velociraptor? <laughs> You're going to get taken to court for slander. Hi, my name is Professor John Bradley, Bradley Lestrange, and I am exclusively here to derail this podcast by making my wife laugh too hard. You can't do that to me. I would love to have a framed copy of that lawsuit on my wall where he, <laughs> he alleges that, in fact, he is not a velociraptor. Uh, given, given Mr. Pesci's performance in My Cousin Vinny, I don't actually, I don't want this. I, I, I will lose. I think every lawyer is just gonna be like, no, man, you're on your own. Mr. Pesci, I love you. Please don't sue me. <laughs> what are some things that you liked? I really loved the stunt work in the movie. Um, I don't know specifically if Joe Pesci and his compatriot and the Wet Bandits had, uh, stunt doubles who did like all of their falls and like getting their heads set on fire and things. But whoever was doing those stunts, uh, it was great work. The falls were clean. Uh, the, the stunts were well executed. Um, slipping downstairs is, uh, is, is, it's a tough thing to do and to make look good and to have it be safe. And they did a phenomenal job of it. Agreed. Yeah, there were, there were very few moments where my immersion was broken. And the only times were when uh, little Kevin, Macaulay Culkin, had to do a stunt. And it would go from being this very small child to like, yeah, that's that's definitely not a preteen, uh, like a teenager or 20-something-year-old person yeah. pretending to be an eight-year-old. Absolutely not. That is definitely not the body of a full-grown, somewhat <laughs> jacked man. The the swinging from the house to the tree, I believe, mm -hmm. is uh, is one that I think there's some pretty apparent relative scale where you can see height and yeah. just go, hmm, okay. Also the um, uh, the sledding down the stairs. Ah, yeah, that was another one. Yeah. But you know, I don't fully expect an eight year old to do their own stuff. I no, I also don't. That's wait, it's, that is a child. There are several laws that that would violate letting Macaulay Culkin do that. It's one thing that I had to live that out, but to have Macaulay Culkin recreate that is entirely different. You know, that's just so for money. I was he, he does to the have limit. this kind of chaotic energy. I feel like he would have done it if they asked him to. I feel like he'd been like, heck yeah, give me the sleigh. Yeah. What are some other things that we enjoyed? I think there's a decent amount of very real, very believable dialogue between youth. There's something, there's something to be said for 
having kids in movies, especially now, being this part of the scenery, or it's a film that's directed at children, so it's very different dialogue. Whereas this is dialogue between siblings that's very harsh, but still very real. And I didn't see a lot of that in films of that time or even now, right? Because yeah. it's a it's a it's a film for the family, but like I don't I certainly don't think of it as a kid's movie. There was something definitely real and relatable about how all the characters interacted with each other. And I have my own issues with how a lot of people behaved in the movie. Not Kevin. Kevin did not do anything wrong. <laughs> no, Buzz Buzz deserved it. Buzz deserved yeah, it. everything that he got. <laughs> not the not the poor spider. Uh, as as someone with siblings, I have a twin brother and I have a younger sister. Uh, she's two years younger. Uh, that dialogue is uh, very very believable. It is exactly how it goes down. <laughs> um, you can take that to the bank. <laughs> I mean, I have siblings, but I did not meet them until I was an adult. So I don't. How do you do, fellow sibling? <laughs> That's how we talk. <laughs> your uh, your colleagues more than anything. <laughs> it's really the case, yes. <laughs> well, and honestly, even the like intergenerational uh, dialogue the the parents not being that idealistic. Oh, these are my children, and only sort of scolding them when they've done something wrong it's very clearly a a very real portrayal and i think i think that's john hughes john hughes is really good with that i think there's a reason why he was uh kind of at the top of his game in that period it's also a very classic depiction of like what movies did to parents and with parents in the 90s them being like that very absentee like almost Charlie Brown esque, they're just there to like scold you when you do something bad, and otherwise it's the kids interacting with each other. Um, I loved all the times that Kevin went grocery shopping. <laughs> I did too. That was so great, and all of his interactions with his neighbor, whose name we—I don't think Murphy. We, it was no, no, not. I think Murphy it was, was Murphy. no. Murphy was the kid. They were going to Florida. The one who went into. Oh, the, was it? Yeah, the Murphys went to Florida. They were the house across the street that he sent the cops to. I thought he was pretending to be the older man. Was he? What was the name of your neighbor? Do you remember? You mean old man Marley? There we go. Oh, it was Marley. Yeah. And we call Murphy him the was... South Bend Shovel Slayer. Yes, right, of course. But we know that's not true. He's such a nice man. Uh, sorry. Uh, he is allegedly the South Bend <laughs> Shovel Slayer. Uh, I believe that he is Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> he teaches you the real spirit of Christmas. Yes, the real spirit of Christmas is that you're never too old to be afraid. Shut up and call your son. <sighs> Can we say Going... that again for the people in the back? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the real spirit of Christmas is that uh, you're never too old to be afraid. Shut up and call your son. <laughs> Ooh, that's so good. I just want to roll back real quick to what John was talking about with Kevin going grocery shopping. I feel like that's one of those things that lends to one of my favorite things, which is all of the little kid logic throughout the whole movie. Like, you're a little kid. You're just kind of going through the motions and doing what you've seen your parents do in order to take care of you and your family. Now they're not here and somebody has to do it. So, like, little kid logic is not, I need to tell an adult what happened to me. It's, well, 
It's just me now. <laughs> yeah, I wished my parents away. Now I have to go buy fabric softener. <laughs> is this toothbrush approved by the American Dental Association? Is one of the be Can you find out? It's one of the best scenes in that whole movie. Herb! Herb! <laughs> <laughs> the, the entire, like, booby trap sequence notwithstanding, that scene is one of the best in the whole movie. And even the booby traps were fueled by this little kid logic. Some of them were maybe a little too violent or mean-spirited. Uh, yeah. Uh, flamethrower? Kevin? <laughs> flamethrower? Uh, I'm more concerned about the pizza guy. The pizza guy did not deserve to believe that he was being shot at. Uh, that's true. Uh, he did hit their little, their little lantern man twice, though. I don't feel like that's comparable. Um... <laughs> uh... <laughs> uh, a tiny amount of property damage uh, that is completely unnoticeable. Uh, years of therapy. I feel like they balance out. Can I get you some therapy? <laughs> I will say there's a there's a lesson in like uh, socioeconomics here in that Kevin who has to sort of fend for himself and and has no resources about him sort of changes the scale of what's acceptable to do to other folks, right? We, we, it's the same reason why uh, there's, there aren't a ton of rich folks breaking into other people's cars. Mm -hmm. Kevin's like, well, I need pizza. Yeah. And and, I mean, he does pay for he the does pizza. Pay for it. He just then takes a... Like, I, I appreciate him using the movie to like communicate with people as it is an adult voice doing this and the dialogue of that scene lent itself relatively well to that interaction but i feel like he could have stopped it before the th he got to the threats uh that was just you know a little kid deciding to be mean just because <laughs> there's no one to stop him and you know his prefrontal cortex isn't going to be done developing for 17 years uh, anything we want to add to the good pile? Besides everything? No. <laughs> no. I do really enjoy how Home Alone concluded. Um, the parents apologize. They do come home. There is this happy, like, happily ever after almost to it, where Kevin this whole time believes that he wished his parents away. He is clinging to this Christmas magic that his wish to Santa is going to get through and bring his parents back. And even though we as the viewers know that's not what's happening, that his parents are trying to get back through normal means, it's also easy for us to buy into maybe there was a little Christmas magic helping them along, helping them get home in time. Um I really appreciated that the story was about Kevin loving his family regardless, but also recognizing like his boundaries with them too. And I think that's really important for kids to know. Also, I really appreciate that all of Buzz's stuff got destroyed <laughs> uh, and that all of his, his life savings just got stolen, uh, which presumably is what Kevin was using to finance all of his grocery trips. So I, I guess... <laughs> Buzz had saved up by 1990s standards, a, you know, a, a not uh, insignificant amount of money for a child to have. Because Buzz is like, what, 13? I think he's 16. He's right. He's still relatively young. Like, he doesn't have a job. Who knows know. how much 
allowance like their obscenely wealthy parents give out to their kids like he you know he had enough money to finance a few days worth of you know child binging well and i'm just thinking about uh the median income in winnetka probably quite high so he he might have a, a pretty sizable stash yeah. But it didn't look too big when like he reached into the the box, but clearly there was more than it looked like there was. It was a very very big mess that Kevin landed in. Perhaps some of it was buried. Perhaps some of it was buried. Mm. Now it's time to talk about the things that maybe we didn't like so much. Mm. What was there in the movie that you feel didn't quite represent the way you wanted it to? <laughs> I would say any of the Kenosha kickers besides Gus Polinsky, I think he was great. I think the rest of them were all pretty drab. Mm. I just didn't feel it. Yeah, I can see that. Like, um, the character portrayed by John Candy was very engaging. It was very charming. It was a little bumbly. But the fact that he overhears a desperate woman who needs to get home to her kid, he steps up and he's like, this might not be ideal, but I feel bad and I feel like we can help you. And I thought that was sweet, but I think you're right that the rest of the characters just, they were faceless NPCs. They were just there to fill out a polka band, yeah, which is usually fairly sizable. There are a lot of instruments in polka going on. I feel like if you introduce a band, there needs to be way more music involved. Uh, Chekhov's lesser known, Chekhov's... Uh, Chekhov's polka. Uh, yeah, Chekhov's polka, right? <laughs> if you introduce a band, uh, you need at least 10 to 15 minutes of on-screen music. Like, I feel like it was a wasted opportunity. They could have cut between the traveling and the music playing and Kevin... Um, like going head to head with the wet bandits. Like there could have been sequences set to polka music, yeah. and I feel like that would have blended really well. That would polka does have that kind of chaotic energy that I think would have lent itself very well to the wet bandits uh, getting hit in the face with uh, cans of paint. I think that would have uh, sold really well. It would have been a very different because we didn't really get much like in the way of just like classic, like or not classic music, but like music. Right there was like soundscaping going on underneath everything going on there but like i didn't hear much in the way of just music in that sequence it was mostly just the dialogue and the sounds of stuff happening i think it would have been an entirely different movie experience if we had like music in there yeah i don't think it would have been a bad one i just think it would have been very different there's quite a bit of music when he's carving out the battle plan because mm -hmm. yes. that's a that's a montage but yeah you're not a lot when he's going through until it sort of comes to an epic swell when he gets across to the murphy household yeah mm -hmm. like it, it, it played really well i don't really have many bad things that i can say about this movie like even the things that i didn't like about it the fact that kevin's family is kind of really horribly mean to him in the beginning of the movie is like it's it is plot necessary right for them to have been kind of like negligent and not great to kevin because it sets up him uh, like being alone in the attic. And then they did a really good job of justifying why Kevin didn't just call the police, why his family couldn't get home, how they left without him. They, there, I, there were no plot holes in this, which 
is, I guess, back again on the good side of things, but we hadn't mentioned it earlier, and I feel like it needs to be mentioned. If I stoop to the level of nitpicking, I will say that I never enjoy hearing an old man say, dangly ones. <laughs> 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 that's fair that's fair i'm with you oh no that's mm -hmm. yeah same page same page <laughs> one thing that i really wish had come on the movie and this could just this could just be my personal preference is i wish there was more of a wrap-up where kevin's parents like find out what really happened and we see their reaction to it because i, I just i feel like there is a level of closure that we don't get and that Kevin doesn't get. Like, yes, he gets his mother's apology and yes, his family is finally home, but none of the reasons why this all happened get addressed to begin with. Like, it's because Kevin was young and scared and this is his first big trip. He's never packed a suitcase before. Nobody's taking the time to talk to him, to help to him, to listen to him. And it's overwhelming and scary and just there's no resolution to that and yeah. i would have really liked a wrap-up of like do you see what happens when you don't take 10 minutes to maybe listen to your child yeah uh i legitimately haven't seen any of the other home alone movies this is my first time watching home alone one uh and then home sweet home alone obviously um so i don't know if Kevin's family ever actually finds out about like the his his like run-ins with like full-grown adults who would have literally murdered their child were Kevin, he not Batman. Them? Yeah, they they were made aware, but you wouldn't really know that even from watching Home Alone 2. There's there's not a bunch of reference to anything other than just being left. So I think mm. I think your point stands. The idea that we don't really even know if they were given a great explanation. Yeah. yeah I, Sorry, go. I feel like you're right that they don't learn the full lesson. Like, they learn, don't leave our kid at home by himself, but they don't learn to, how to prevent what brought them to that point. We would, we would believe that Kate on a multi-hour flight home would have quite a bit of time to think about those things. But I would imagine she's one, maybe the only one going through that, so it's not mm -hmm. exhaustive, but also she's more just thinking about getting home and not really doing a full retrospective. Yeah. Well, maybe she should. On the on the one of the things at the end of the movie, Kevin does like play it off as like like cool guy like, Oh, I just hung around a bit. Like he <laughs> makes no indication that he's going to tell his parents that like he turned their house into like a saw trap <laughs> right and that like he literally fought for his life against you know two hardened criminals but also the police should definitely have followed up at some point and have yeah, visited the house and been like hey bt dubs your son was home alone for two days and you know set up a saw-like trap for a bunch of hardened criminals uh, you might want to get him some therapy. <laughs> One has to imagine that there is a Home Alone 1.5 that never was released, in which 
Kevin is the star witness for the Wet Bandits trial, right? <laughs> Having been uh, one of two who were there when they were apprehended. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although it is indicated by the police that maybe they don't necessarily even need it's that true. because they have their calling card, which is that they leave the water on in all of their houses. Like, so now we can tie you to every other robbery you've done. Which they the might not even need card. witnesses. It's true. Um, okay, I think that is a wrap on Home Alone. We can move on. But before we do, we're going to share a song from the Home Alones. Thanks for listening. My family disappear and they're not coming back. I made my family disappear and now I want them back. I made my family disappear and they're not coming back. I made my family disappear and now I want them back. Jumping on the bed with a bag of popcorn, I made my family disappear. Eating junk food and watching rubbish, I made my family Your girlfriend, Woof. I made my family disappear, and they're not coming back. I made my family disappear, and now I want them back. I made my family disappear, and they're not coming back. I made my family disappear, and now I want them back. Now I want them back. And we're back. Now we're talking about Home Sweet Home Alone. Oh, wait. Now, is that what we were supposed to watch? I watched the Reese Witherspoon film Sweet Home Alabama. <laughs> oh, no. Same. It's the same plot. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, it's, it's, we'll just it's, go it's actually it. the same plot. Yeah. <laughs> the two of you, I swear. Um, welcome to the Chaos Dome. What are the good parts about Home Sweet Home Well, first of all, I want to know, Kevin, how do you feel about Disney taking your story and putting yet another spin on it? I feel like I have a lot to say about it, but it's not necessarily my place. Coming from a place of of privilege, like the Brothers Grimm, I feel like were ripped off a lot more than I was. So... I'm just yeah, happy to. They're also not alive anymore. <laughs> so they don't really care. Well, if the wet slash sticky bandits had their way, I wouldn't be either. That's also true. That's fair. All right. What are some good things about Home Sweet Home Alone? All of the references to the original Home Alone. And there were so many of them from lines of dialogue. Um, like, uh, have you had enough or are you thirsty for more? The references to um, the the old black and white movie whose name I don't remember, Angels with Filthy Wings, Angels with Something Filthy like Souls, ah, Filthy Souls, um, like every other reference to the original movie was just like it was well placed, but also just appreciated, and not just because I'd just seen the movie, so I remembered all of the references <laughs> very very well. I think that that was just it was it was good. Yeah, it seems like it rewards uh, a double feature type of viewing or someone who's insane like me and knows the original so well. Right. 
Um, well, it's not that insane for you. It, it was your life. <laughs> well, so many Hopefully things were changed to, to protect the innocent, though. It's true. Uh, it actually wasn't <laughs> Little Nero's pizza, but uh, I don't want to get sued, so I can't say what it actually was. Okay, that makes sense. And Kevin cursed a lot more in real life. <laughs> Uh, it, was like like die hard. it was much more like Die Hard. It was much more like Die Hard. They had me on a, set his... for a few weeks as a script supervisor and told me to leave eventually. <laughs> as a practicing historian, I can tell you the true story of Kevin McAllister one day. It's <laughs> filthy. It's going to be one of John's TikTok videos. He's going to do a whole series. We could do a uh, a Snyder cut. Just a Snyder Cut Home Alone that is a hard R. Dark Side shows up in the last five minutes. So the good things about Home Sweet Home Alone as we drift once more into the Chaos Dome. Max's mom. I loved her. I thought yes. she was great. She was a very well-written character. I really liked that there was this kind of like sarcastic rapport between her and Max. So when he sassed her, instead of getting mad and huffy about it, she just sassed him right back. Mm. And I just, I, I like that dynamic. I like when a parent is just like, I'm not going to be overbearing. I'm not going to boss you around. Like, this is a dynamic and this is a relationship with plenty of give and take. But she knew where to and how to draw the line. Right. And she did it effectively, which shows a lot about how much her son respects her. And is such a huge difference between, like, Kevin and his parents, uh, because, well, Kevin's mom was terrible. And clearly didn't get much better because he got left behind again. Sorry, Kevin. Life happens. <laughs> Here's something that could be good, but I don't actually know if it was intentional. Was it one degree of separation from Kel that... Film yeah, that, was... that has Keenan in it has orange soda. Because <laughs> oh, I didn't even connect that. Damn. Because Kel loves orange soda. Right. He do. It's true. He do. He do. He do. I did really enjoy Keenan. Uh, he was very funny. His delivery was very good. What, what are you doing to our child? I, my legs were getting so tired holding them like that so that she could be comfortable. John had Hera in his lap, and then he decided he didn't want that anymore, so he decided to harass her. Anyway. Oh, I'll, uh, I'll say another, um, another bonus for just characters that I enjoy. Um, I'm a sucker for Petey Pants. Pete Holmes. I, uh, I have to give it up to him uh, for doing what I'd say is probably the same as, as Keenan here in that they wrote in a character and they said, oh, I'd like a Pete Holmes type character and then just put Pete Holmes in there, yelling at an Alexa. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, what other things did I like? There was some of that little kid logic that I really enjoyed from the first one. Um, but I feel like it wasn't quite as strong. Uh, no, but I also feel like Max didn't have as much, like, just based on his early dialogue with, um, the, 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 the guy who's trying to sell his house for the life of me, I can't remember. Mackenzie. Right, yeah. 
um he clearly doesn't have like that little kid energy and they they aged up like the technology and the way that people acted in this movie very well for 2021 versus 1990 um and like it was a very irreverent child to this adult, uh, like making very snide and almost cruel remarks to this man. <laughs> Who the worst thing he did was nitpick about Frankenstein's monster, which like Which is pretty bad. It's listen, it's pedantic, but like, you know That's classic Jeff. <laughs> yeah, that's classic Jeff. You're gonna you're gonna get on Jeff's case for just being Good old Jeff. I will get on Jeff's case. No, that's fair. He, Nobody he, gives a shit. No, that's hey. <laughs> I I do. I care about Jeff. I, he deserves much better than he got. I mean, that's that's valid. Um, honestly, I'm having trouble thinking of other things that I really liked in this movie. How about yeah. you guys? Uh, it was in focus. It was in focus. <laughs> it was in yes, focus. that's true. That's true. Um, I mean, the stunt work was also still just as good. Uh, there were a few moments like. With the uh, yoga ball going down the stairs where, like, my my uh, disbelief was suspended for a little bit because it was very clearly, like, not a natural clean arc on those bounces. Mm. Um, Same with the soda. The soda didn't, like, move in a way that was believable. Right. There were, there were some things where, like, clearly green screen uh, was used in some way where it's just, like, it did not um, sell as cleanly as I think the entirely practical effects of the original Home Alone did. Um, but other than, uh, other than, I didn't like this movie. Yeah. But to your point earlier, a, a good fall is hard to do. And I, I will say they did, whether that be just using similar Hollywood secrets or an homage to earlier, either way, I would say their stunt work was pretty good. Some of the yeah. stair slips, uh, some of the falls that were a bit more of the practical stunt work was actually quite good oh yeah i mean uh, a good stage fall hasn't changed since the days of buster keaton it's <laughs> it's it's the same stuff and it, it will always sell just as well do we want to start talking about what we didn't like as much yeah let's so for me the plot was very weak yep i just max didn't have the same charm as Kevin. Kevin very much is going through like an existential crisis and Max is not. Like Max is just like heck yeah, I'm by myself and the only thing that brings him down to earth is this possible threat of being kidnapped. And it just I don't know. I just really did not like that there were these innocent people who are down on their luck, who are having a really hard time, who are supposed to be the bad guys. Right, but, like, Ma Max was the bad guy, right? We all agree. Max was yeah. the bad guy. <laughs> yeah, like, Kevin, Kevin McAllister was a sympathetic character. His family was mean to him. He was a clever young boy who just wanted some help packing his suitcase. He thought he'd wished his parents away, and he was doing his best to survive in his new circumstances. Max spends the first 15 minutes of the movie being actively a jerk. Yeah, he's a jerk to Jeff. He like he isn't great with his mom. No. He like sneaks out of the house and he falls asleep in the car. We can't blame either parent for this happening because they were not present and if they had been present, they would have gotten him. Well, I yeah, think... no, Max's Max's mom is a, is a good mom. Yeah, I agree. They're spreading 
the hero's journey across like three characters. I think that's part of it, yeah. right? Because the inciting incident in Home Alone of wishing their family away, coming to realize that you didn't want to wish them away, that, that sort of whole arc is all one character and everything's told through that perspective where this one is very clearly split between a story about it's I would say it's even less about Max than it is about uh the McKenzie family. The McKenzie yeah. family in their their home, which is yeah. never alone with itself. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I think there's just too much going on. There's too much plot that they're trying to shove into this to make it a home alone spin-off or reboot or what have you. The the original Home Alone was neat and tidy and clean. Um they introduce Joe Pesci's character early on in the movie, and you get a very clear indication that like he's up to something nefarious because he like does the smile and you get the glint off the gold tooth, and like that's a classic bad guy trope. Um and then like, oh yeah, you know, he's the bad guy, and then he comes in and we confirm that not that much later. But we were like a half an hour or so in, and I turned to Frankie and I'm like, wait, is Jeff the bad guy? <laughs> in shock and disbelief, because like Jeff's the nice guy, but like an actual nice guy. Yeah. And like Max shows up to a church that is having a toy drive, determined to take something. Yeah, he steals from a he steals from a toy drive for, from Toys for you Tots. You are so wealthy, and he steals from Toys for Tots. You were so wealthy. I can't. The sheer opulence of the Mercer family I... kind of upset me. I think they were trying to do a, because there were a lot of things that they made Max do that were similar to things that Kevin did throughout the movie, both in dialogue and mm -hmm. comportment and things. And I think they were trying to do a more modern twist on Kevin stealing the toothbrush. Because Kevin also steals It was not things. better. It was not better, no. <laughs> I don't think they did it well, but I think they were trying to, I think they were trying to parody, parody in a lot of ways elements from the original Home Alone and just make them bigger but i think they failed in their execution a I'm lot sure of times i'm sure your instinct is right i just they did it bad no yeah i'm not saying they did it right i right, I'm, I'm, i agree with you yeah cuz it's did it bad. it's superficial it's they're it, it is. They're, yeah. they're 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 doing an homage to the superficial bit not the actual underlying intent of whatever those scenes right. were cuz kevin didn't steal that just because like he wanted to steal it and like he's a kleptomaniac kid he did it because he thought that there was a serial killer in front of him and he was scared and he panicked and ran yeah and like there's just nothing going on in max's life that makes him sympathetic to us also like kevin took a toothbrush like a like a, a, a 50 cent toothbrush by the 1990 standards that he needed for clean health because he couldn't find his toothbrush and max stole what was it like a squirt gun or something yeah or like a nerf gun or something well and, and again and the a helmet and again, the, the intent, right? Like, he was perfectly happy to take that gun as opposed yeah. to Kevin, who by on, but we would all assume is happy to use, albeit Buzz's life savings, to pay for said toothbrush. Yeah. Right. And as far as Kevin knows, his family's gone. Everything is fair game now. Yeah. <laughs> Everything like, in that house is his. He, he was going to pay for it once he, you know confirmed that it was in fact approved by the american dental association i'm surprised that neither of those adults just lied to kevin and said yeah of course it is yeah all of our toothbrushes are 
Like Why would we sell anything less? They're trying so hard to like prove it to this kid who now thinks he's seen a serial killer. And oh, poor Kevin. I am gonna say, if you see someone shoplifting a toothbrush this holiday season, mind your own business. <laughs> if there's one takeaway from this episode, <laughs> mind your own business. If I see someone shoplifting a toothbrush, they obviously need it, and that is not my business. Well, and we don't even know how valuable mm-hmm. it was that he took, because if he took it and it, in fact, wasn't even approved by the American Dental Association, <laughs> what did he even really steal? Let's, exactly. That's the question. <laughs> exactly. The world's better off without that toothbrush. <laughs> um. Unfortunately, Home Sweet Home Alone just... It lacks the charm. It lacks originality. It's not even a original spin on a story that we're all familiar with. Uh, whereas with Home Alone, I had almost entirely good things to say and like not really any bad things. With Home Sweet Home Alone, I have almost entirely bad things to say and almost no good things. The violence was way too gratuitous. It was. Uh, mm. A lot of the things that Max did uh, were, were pre- all potentially lethal. Pretty yeah. much every single thing that he did to the Mackenzie family had uh, just even a- an inch out of place. They die, right? He almost dropped a, a two foot long icicle onto poor Jeff's crotch. I had to look away so many times. The bump on Jeff's head after being mm. hit with the billiard ball that it turned my stomach. Seeing uh, Pam covered in nerf darts that had push pins stuck in them that's a classic bully tactic she had to pull push pins out of her face i oh it made me sick to my stomach that's why i did the content warning up top wisely so because i yeah it it did make me physically uncomfortable the push pin one it uh having been hit by one of those uh I had bullies in middle school. What? Yeah. It wasn't Patrick, was it? No. Okay. They tended to do tax, though, didn't they? Because I got hit by some similar ones in, in, in my uh, prime. Yeah. But it was like the, the tax, because they were easier. They were the flat as opposed to the pushpin, which were smaller surface area. Yep, yep. Just like. Oh. Uh, hey, uh, kids uh, and adults listening to this, don't. <laughs> Absolutely do, not. Don't put. Uh, any sharp objects in your Nerf guns. Uh, also, don't aim them at face. It says that right on the box. Don't aim at face. Don't try this at home. Uh, one one other thing that maybe because I heard it wrong or just didn't catch it, I was actually on the same page as Max for a moment because I actually thought they were talking about him when they said ugly little boy the first time. And maybe this is on editing. Maybe there was something that was a little bit tying into the doll that explained that away. But the way that I heard it the first time, I thought they were talking about Max. They set that scene up very well to deliberately make you think like out of context. That is what um, I don't remember her. I can never Pam. remember Pam. That's what Pam was talking about. Um like, it made a lot of sense that that's why Max was reacting that way. Uh, having seen the doll, though, and knowing that that's what they were, like, looking for. Ugly little boy. It wasn't She could have just said ugly little, little doll and fixed 
every single one of their problems by just explicitly saying ugly little doll, but we don't want all of our problems to be fixed because that makes for a much shorter movie. That's true. But maybe it would have been better in the long run if this movie were just short. Yeah. Um, giving Max a redemption uh, like arc at the end where it's just like, oh, you're just a scared little boy whose parents are gone and thought that we were trying to kidnap you. You're not actually a sociopath. No, but he is, but he though. Is, though. Like, yeah. The whole, the whole movie's a mess, let's be honest. I'm not interested in being mean about movies, but there's not a lot salvageable in this one. Yeah, uh, and I am, I am sorry for that. If the people making this movie are listening to this podcast, you did your best, and I appreciate your efforts, but it didn't sell. I would be curious to Eternal Sunshine, the first Home Alone, and then watch this one fresh without it being... Mm a reference or an homage to something else and see mm. how I would appreciate it as like a kid. Yeah. Honestly, I don't think that would have changed my mind about it, even with my experience with Home Alone. Because Home Alone is a fun movie. It's a solid movie, you know? But it never stuck in my craw to the extent that it has stuck in the craw of so many people. Mm. It was never a, like, repeat movie for me. It was never a yearly watch. So I feel, personally, that I can separate the two very well. Right. And just overall, as a movie, take away Home Alone. It just, it fails on so many levels. It tries to make too many characters sympathetic it fails at making max sympathetic when he really should be our hero he should be our main instead we're focusing on two adults who are going through a sincerely hard time and then are put through so much torture and trauma as a result there's just too much going on and i think even if home alone did not exist if it existed in a separate universe from home alone it would still not be a success. You know what I think one of the biggest failings of Home Sweet Home Alone is? In Home Alone, Kevin is an actual danger. There mm -hmm. is a real conflict yeah, that he is going through. There are actual through. stakes. There are real stakes at play. And so the actions that Kevin takes to defend himself during that make complete and total sense. Uh, Max is never in any danger. If he had stopped for like five seconds, if any of them had stopped for five seconds to just use their words, the problems would have all been solved, but no one ever did. Yeah, imagine the stakes of a romantic comedy, which is just miscommunication, but with results of very real inflicted pain. Yeah, which it just doesn't match up. It doesn't work. Do we have any additional thoughts? Uh, go watch Home Alone. <laughs> Save that for the rating. If you, Kevin, do you have anything else, Ash? Mind your business. <laughs> mind your business. <laughs> All right, it's time for our overall rating. Let's start with Home Alone. John, would you like to go first since this is your first time watching it? Uh, yes, for my first time watching uh, Home Alone, I give this a five out of five tree toppers. Uh, completely arbitrary rating system, uh, but I will stand by this to my dying day. Uh, I think that it was <laughs> as close to a perfectly executed movie as you can get. I just wish his family was nicer, and that's still plot 
relevant, so I won't change it. All right, Kevin? Uh, I give it uh, 10 out of 10 Pepsis. <laughs> I fair, understood fair. that reference. Fair, fair. Or fuller. <laughs> I give it a 5 out of 5 tree toppers as well. It was just fun. It was enjoyable. I did not feel bad after watching it. It was a solid Christmas movie. There was a definite lesson. It it made me feel good by the end. And that's what I look for in a Christmas movie. Mm. Uh, how about Home Sweet Home Alone, John? I am going to give Home Sweet Home Alone. Uh, I'm going to give it a two and a half out of five tree toppers. I feel like the elements of a good story were there. I think that the references to the original Home Alone uh, were good. Um, I just wish that there was a more sympathetic main character uh, and that there had been more earnest and realistic stakes. Kevin? I'm going to give it a pie out of 10 Pepsis because I think everyone that I saw on screen was absolutely doing their best and they were not set up for success, so I certainly don't blame them. but. The results are the results. Yeah. I give it two out of five tree toppers. It just, it did not make me feel good. By the end, it was not successful as a Christmas movie. It wasn't successful as a story. And like Kevin said, they were all doing their best, except for maybe Archie. I don't know. I'm suspicious. <laughs> um, What was the name of the brother and sister, Ollie's parents? They were definitely not doing their best. They were I absolutely hate, not doing I hate their them best. the most. <laughs> like, I, they are the worst. <laughs> the actors were probably doing their best, no, but no, the no, characters no, no. Everyone, absolutely were not. <laughs> everyone on screen was doing their best, and I appreciate all of their efforts. Um, they, they deserve, you know, praise and aplomb for their, their acting abilities. They just, they did a very good job of portraying unlikable characters. All right. And there you have it, folks. Those are our ratings for Home Alone and Home Sweet Home Alone. It's an exciting new season. And we'd like to thank Kevin so much for joining us. It was such an honor to have the Kevin McAllister as part of our show today. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate any opportunity I can to rewrite history. Would you like to tell our audience a little bit more about your band and where they can find you online? Sure. Uh, we exclusively market to people who are proficient at the internet, so I don't want to give you too much here. So if you go onto your favorite social medias or music streaming or music theft or music piracy sites, just look <laughs> for The Home Alones and you'll find us. All right. Awesome. We will also make sure to link to you guys in our descriptions. That way our listeners can more easily find you. Rock and roll. All right. So thanks for joining us for this limited run of Certain Point of View. Certain Point of View is a Certain Point of View production. Head over to CertainPOV.com to find a link to our Discord and join in the conversation. I'm Frankie. And I'm John. Happy holidays. doorstep and get the hell out of here. Uh, all right, Johnny. But what about my money? What money? AC said you had some dough for me. Is that a fact? How much do I owe you? 
AC said, 10%. Too bad AC ain't in charge no more. What do you mean? He's upstairs taking a bath. He'll call you when he gets out. Hey, I'll tell you what I'm going to give you, snakes. I'm going to give you to the count of 10 to get your ugly, yellow, no good keister off my property while I pump your guts full of lead. Uh, All right, Johnny, I'm sorry. I'm going. One, two, ten. CPOV. CertainPOV.com.